0: I love horror sequences and James directs scares like they are action sequences. And I think that, so if jump scare happens, it often is the thing that sets the, the, you know, the um, sequence
1: in motion. And so, you know, that's what's so exciting. Yes. 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 You're like, okay. Like you have that little jump scare of like the kids getting a little bit of, you know, some poltergeisty kind of uh, stuff happening at night, their legs getting pulled from their bed, thinking it's the other sisters. And like, as they're in this, House, but you're like, wait, that's oh no.
2: Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. <coughs>
1: Hi, guys. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry.
2: I'm Julia. We have a very special, exciting guest for you today. Yes, I'm so
1: excited. We have a wonderful queen of horror um, and friend of the podcast here. We have the wonderful Clark Wolf hanging out with us
2: today. Clark, welcome to the show. Hello.
0: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you both so much for having me.
2: We are delighted to have you. We're going to have a fun little conversation. Let's talk about some stuff.
1: Oh yeah, gosh. let's get into it. Clark, tell us. I don't know, I just want to know like how you got into performing, how you got into acting, how you got into hosting. I want to like your genesis, like tell us about where you're from and 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 how you got into performance.
0: Absolutely. So, I I've always um had it since I can remember. I think the thing that started it all for me was The Wizard of Oz. I think mm-hmm. that might have been one of the first movies that I ever saw, but we're talking like two or three. I've definitely always loved movies um and uh and it's funny because when i think about all the things that i love to do it kind of all does go back to the wizard of oz in a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> because it's such a big like the wizard of oz is just such a big spectacle and of course they're singing and dancing but it's funny and it's scary the wicked witch is just i mean terrifying um, Yeah. terrifying there's monkeys, monkeys
1: everything oh <laughs>
0: There's so many great scares in *The Wizard of Oz*, and um, I and I love witches personally. So
1: I, Same. yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So I feel like it just really does for me all go back to the Wizard of Oz, and and so since I was little, I mean truly like three or four years old, I knew I wanted to perform and um, be an actor, and I loved movies, um, and uh, you know so I started doing theater pretty much as soon as I was in school. That was that was it, and um, and then grew up loving movies and was a very scared kid. Like when it comes to horror specifically, I was drawn to things that scared me, but I just I, I was too scared. I mean, I re- I really was, and so um, my gateway was sort of dark fantasy. And I grew up in the you know in the '90s, and so um, you know there there were so many wonderful whether it was Labyrinth or Legend or Neverending Story or Willow. You know, I loved dark fantasy, and um, so I think that was a I loved Tim Burton when I was little. Pete mm-hmm. from Pee Wee's Playhouse to um, Beetlejuice, um, and that was such a The Witches was another big one. That was yeah. very too scary Terrifying. for me. <laughs> it's yeah. still too scary. I <laughs> uh, yeah. So and then and then once I got into high school and I could like process my my feelings a little bit better, um, then I started really deep diving into horror and and becoming interested in in sort of what scares you and why and unpacking all of that.
2: And so, what was the horror gateway that started that wave?
0: So yeah. when I was little. When I was about five years old, I had a babysitter show me the Stephen King's It miniseries. Oh, no. I'm sorry at 5. Yeah, oh, it no. was it was bad. It was so bad. It scared me it scared me real bad. Um but when I was about 12 years old, I went to still one of my best friends' house houses for um on Halloween and we had a sleepover and we watched Carrie before bed and then we watched The Exorcist the next morning and um Again, as a scared kid, like even at 12 years old, The The Exorcist was really the the one that sort of – Even broke. at
1: 12? Even as adults, that movie's still scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, right? I mean, I got to give myself a little bit of credit. But I know there are some kids who can just watch anything and be like, oh, whatever. That's fine. Um, but uh, But yeah, The Exorcist truly – terrified me and and you know I know there are a lot of people who are like oh I couldn't sleep for you know I, I couldn't sleep for a year like every time I would close my eyes those image that imagery and what's so interesting is that I am not religious and in fact i'm I'm Jewish and so it's it's I just find it fascinating because it's not and we're with the conjuring today I've been thinking a lot about the religious like implications and mm-hmm. I would argue that in the first Conjuring movie, yes, you can tell that they are Christians, but you know they they're they're not really talking about Satan. They're not really talking about Jesus. Like they say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and there are some there's a priest every now and again, but like it it's kind of um, secular in a way. Um, but then the franchise gets very much into the whole Christian superhero thing, and that's you know oh. in another conversation. Oh but. my,
2: absolutely, absolutely, well, it I mean, changes. Th- I mean, they yeah. have. The, the quote at the end of the film is god exists the devil exists yes so yes like oh okay they're going hard on that then here we yes. are well, that's that's
1: his real quote though i've like went in hard
2: after watching so i want to jump to
1: conjuring in a little bit but like <laughs> we can dive in now too um yeah i watched a bunch of videos of like ed talking about it like on his like shows and stuff and like he really did get into that and dives into that even more so like yeah. throughout all of their work. Mm-hmm. I, I
0: think that the the real Ed Warren was certainly more like using that very specific language, whereas I feel like in the first film, the character of Ed Warren and the character of Lorraine Warren, yes, again, like, you know that they are – practicing christians and she has her rosary and all of that but it just didn't feel but you're right that last quote at the end i noticed it too i actually just rewatched it before we sat down and and i was like that's so interesting that they're using those words you know his words to cap it off but like throughout the whole film you're not really getting there i will also say in the third movie in the devil made me do it which i watched um for for my show um the, Ed has a great line, and they, this is not what the movie is about. By the way, this is not a spoiler. I kind of wish this is had been what the movie was about, but he has a great line where he says, "The court acknowledges every day that God exists when you swear on the when you swear your oath. So mm, yeah. why not acknowledge the devil?" And I was like, "Oh, that is such an interesting premise." But the movie doesn't go there. It is not about huh. that
2: whatsoever. It, um, I almost thought yeah. of it like they. It om- you could almost look at it at the flip side where it almost felt felt to me like Ed and Lorraine were using the 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 religious stuff as tricks of the trade, like just like they were using the cameras, just like they were using the sound equipment, like they were just totally. using it because they knew it would it would get a reaction from the ghosts. But it didn't. You could also look at it that kind of like uber scientific. Like we're just using it because we know it has results, but we don't necessarily believe it in it ourselves. You could look at it that way as well. It's very
1: clinical. Yeah, yes. they can use it as like clinicians. Like we're going in here as a demonologist, as like a scientist of this type of, you know Yes. Yes. <laughs> this type of thing. Absolutely.
2: So is The Exorcist the scariest movie you've still you've seen still or has something eclipsed it?
1: Oh, that's an
0: interesting question. I'm trying What – it is absolutely – first of all, The Exorcist is one of my favorite movies, like, of all time. I, I, I you know, have – I wouldn't say I've become obsessed with it, but I, I love I, – I just love – it had such an impact on me, and now as I've gotten older, you know – Breaking down what makes the movie work—that um, is fascinating to me. And I think in a broader conversation about horror, um, The Exorcist could be used as a template for how to do like a, you know, um, a mainstream crossover film. You know, and I think The Exorcist, are, excuse me, I think The Conjuring kind of follows those beats too. For me, the scare, yeah, maybe the ex, maybe watching The Exorcist as a kid remains the scariest experience I've had. The Paranormal Activity movies, the first two really worked for me um, in the theater. The third one did too. But um, I remember, this is oddly specific, but at the end of Paranormal Activity 2, I saw it in a theater. The theater was ha- – it was like working. That movie was working for the crowd that I was – with. <laughs> the best uh, feeling. The Isn't that the yeah. best
2: feeling, watching a it, horror movie with a crowd super into it?
0: It is yes. because, you know, the opposite – is like real tough. Um, yeah. uh, I remember seeing Killing of a Sacred Deer in a theater that the audience was not on board. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, I really like this movie, but this is not working for the group around me. And you um, can
2: feel that too, can't you? Yes. Yeah.
0: You yes. really, really can.
2: Uh, um, Terry and I went to a screening of of the new Suspiria where yeah, oh. the crowd was not into it. It was making them angry and we could feel it. We were like, oh, man. This, this is- but we
1: were like really into it, so yeah. it. it was just, and we loved it. And we were like in the second row, I think, so we could feel all the energy of all the hate watchers Ugh. behind us. And it was like a screening that night. The cast was going to come out right after, so I was like they're coming into a hostile environment Oof. tonight. You know, like I was like, oh no, I'm like and and the even the girl who's moderating poor girl i don't remember her name but it was just like oof she was trying to moderate a very 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 rough q and a and i just felt all the feels for her but thank god for tilda swinton like being up there just being like i'm tilda swinton i shall handle this for you <laughs> she, and like
0: she is yes, the supreme
1: <laughs> just great right at pr you know and like handled that panel and like made it good you know what i mean oh though and save that girl and it was just like oh from this like God awful of, of a night experience of these people not enjoying this film. Yikes. Um But then you were like, now you know why Tilda is cast as so many people. So I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> she okay. she
0: is our, yes. our evil witch and our mother, our mother witch. Um, yes. So at the end of Paranormal Activity two, there is a sequence where the little baby is in the basement and the stuff is going on. It, it is truly the climax of the film, and uh, that I was I was terrified. I was truly, that movie, that, that, re- I remember specifically thinking, I don't know if I have been that scared since I was a child watching The Exorcist. And wow. it might have been because there is a little baby involved, you know, and I was just like, oh, no, not that child. Um... But yeah, that's that one. And then, and the conjuring, the conjuring truly, I mean, again, like I'm not, I'm not getting paid by WB or by by anybody to to talk about the conjuring, but like the, the first one, um, truly, truly shook me. I I just, but in a good way, like I, 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 in a fun, oh my God, that scared the crap out of me kind of way.
2: And had, when did you go back and rewatch, uh, the it miniseries?
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, When I was an adult, and um, well, actually, I think I tried to watch it maybe in my early twenties, and I remember being bored. I mean, I don't know if y'all have watched it. Um, Uh Of course, yeah. Yeah. I um I think it's just awful. I understand why people really like nostalgically why people really like it, but woof! I do not care for that, and so I don't find it scary in the least. Um, but it's a, you know, it's the power of a young mind, right? It's like you see this one image and then you take it and run with it. And honestly, that's, that's horror too, in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. especially supernatural, ghosty kind of things you can show or you can tell. And, and, you know, the mind, the human mind will, will fill in a lot of those blanks for you. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Absolutely. I think, you know, it's hard to do. I mean, Stephen King in on television in the '90s, Oof. Yeah. doesn't doesn't work very well because it's not. I mean, I love that miniseries, but I think you know the what it's facing, the challenge it's facing is that you need the violence to be able to feel how scary things are and how bad things will get. And if you don't have that, it doesn't quite work. So that's why It's so I,
1: censored. All of those is. projects yeah. are totally so is. censored. And then I know like even when we just talked with Mick Garris recently talking about some of those adaptations they were trying to do in the 90s and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just like they were up against so much, like just trying to get like an open eyeball, you know, in a scene or I'll whatever. S- so it's like if you don't have that, yeah. I, I don't envy
0: the the task of the 90s and, and, and network television and having to to adapt one of the most gruesome authors, you know, properties. So
2: I, I get it. I, I understand. Shout out to those pioneers who really tried. (laughs) They they tried. They
1: did. They needed an HBO. They needed a Showtime. They Mm -hmm. needed, you know,
2: big, big dollars. They needed, you know, those big dollars. Um, Uh, So Clark, I don't know if you know that uh, we are in a movie together. What movie? Uh, we're in December together because I am in another segment uh, called All Sales Fatal by Michael Verratti.
0: Oh, of course. I've seen that segment. I love that segment.
2: I, I, yeah. So there you are. I, oh. I looked it up and I was like, oh, look, we're in a movie together. Didn't ever meet. Not in the same bit whatsoever, but it still counts. Uh, but Six you degrees. got to work with Barbara Crampton.
0: I did. I did. Yes indeed. Can you tell us all about that. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um it was a real treat. So that was a the, the our segment in December was called a Christmas miracle and it was a really um wonderful experience across the board. The thing that stood out to me the most about it was truly that Vivian the director um she she assembled a crew of almost 100% women. Nice. Um oh. I I believe with the exception of maybe one PA and the sound person, everybody else were, were women. Um, and that was awesome. I mean, it was just so and, – and everybody was there because they really wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when you're doing these little shorts that are segments in – you know, bigger anthologies like you know, where you don't have a ton of time or luxury. So, um, so that was that was lovely. Barbara was wonderful. We ended up we we actually stayed together. They rented us a little cabin, um, and so we stayed together all weekend. And um, yeah, I just want to and-
2: watch. I just want to be there. I want to be. Can I just be fly in the wall? Just watch that. It sounds amazing. She,
0: she is such a wonderful woman um and you know we we actually ended up talking more just about life um mm-hmm. just about life stuff and and our life experiences it was very little about you know the 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 genre stuff i mean of course we talked about genre she told me actually um I, you know she told me about jacob's wife she was working on jacob's wife trying to get it made um mm-hmm. and which of course just finally premiered so you know that was a true true, true labor of love for her as a producer and as an actor and somebody who's been in this business for decades. So I loved hearing that story and hearing her passion for that story and all of the trials and tribulations she went through to get that made. And then seeing it come out was so lovely because I know how much it meant to her. And um, But the other thing I would say about working with Barbara is that she's a real actor. She is an actor's actor. She asks questions and she likes to play. And she likes to experiment. She, you know, really thinks about her character. She does she does the work, you know. And even in a segment that is has a four-minute runtime and has very little dialogue, you know, she was she truly came prepared to to do. A real job You know It could have been Very easy for her To just stand there And wear her costume And you know Give looks But no, that's not the case She she really showed up And it was And it made me nervous Because I was so rusty At that point In terms of film acting um, And so I was really Really nervous Being on set With just with everybody In general But then to see How focused And prepared And an act, what an actor's Actor Barbara was I, I felt like I needed to to step it up even more
2: <laughs> she's so that's incredible we love her so incredible,
0: much
1: incredible incredible like to get to learn from her like that in that moment that's
2: freaking awesome Clark just like saying uh, in a cabin uh, over weekend with Barbara Crampton you know no big.
1: <laughs> we, we had lunch. We so went like, to the that's market a short already. That's a short, like I mean. my weekend with with Crampton. You know, like
0: <laughs> yeah, we went to. The, we had like little snacks, and she,
1: you know, shared our
0: yogurts, and you know, did
1: did all the things. So you all went shopping together. Like I just imagine you farmers market. I'm making like a whole fanfic about this right now. We were
0: up in Lake Arrowhead, and we didn't we didn't get to go to a farmers market, but we did go to a little market in the main town in Lake Arrowhead. It was truly lovely. It was truly wonderful. I adore Barbara. I I admire Barbara in many, many ways. And um, I hope that we're able to work together again. That would be really wonderful.
1: I'm sure you will. Um, can you tell us more like about your writing and the things that you've written and how, I mean, you do literally everything. You're like the ultimate multi-hyphenate Clark. Ugh. So I want to dive a little bit more into your universe uh, uh-huh.
0: as an
2: artist. And like Podcasting t- 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 and hosting and the whole nine yards.
0: Well, yeah. y'all are such generous hosts. Thank you for being so kind. Um, so the the main thing, um, the first feature that I wrote, um, is actually
1: a holiday rom com of all things. Terry
2: loves that. Terry oh, it's loves my
1: obsession. <laughs> People, someone just asked me yesterday, "What am I?" I'm literally holding a mug right now that says, "I just want to drink hot cocoa and watch Christmas movies." That's what I'm drinking my coffee from today. I love that. Um, obsessed. Also, I- like. Yes, horror, Christmas, all of it, bring it together. It's so funny.
0: Well, and also, Julia. Speaking of Michael Verratti, um, mm-hmm. when, he, when you know we were introduced by Chelsea Stardust. Oh, um, nice. Yes. And because she read Merry Christmas, which is the name of my script. And she was like, you should talk to Michael because Michael writes a ton of Christmas movies. And um, so that was really cool. Again, like the horror and holiday worlds colliding. They but, do. Um- and he's, constantly, he's so incredible.
2: Constantly. What a cool, cool mother.
0: He's he's so lovely. Um, and so, yeah, so that was the first script I wrote. And it it was honestly, I wrote it because it was just inside of me and I had to get it out. It was really like based on a relationship that I was in at the time and going home for the holidays. But but we didn't actually go home for the holidays. Like that was kind of a point of contention in our relationship. So it was sort of like a fantasy of all of the anxiety that I would have about, you know, meeting going and spending Christmas with a boyfriend, you know. Um, so that was sort of where that came from. And I'm so proud of it. I, um, you know, like Netflix read it and they passed, but they, they were very complimentary. They said it actually wasn't fant- fantastical enough. Uh, be, you know, I think that their mandate sort of needs something magical to happen. Um, and so there's no magic in my in my. There's not like round. five Vanessa Hudgens in it.
1: So that's the problem. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. But um, uh, and then the next thing i wrote was actually um it was it was a ghost story and i co-wrote it and you know we wrote it really fast and um now that there's been some time i'm actually the the writer the co-writer and it was his his original story um that we adapted it has given me his blessing to take the reins on that and sort of develop it on my you know how i it, it develop it on my own. So um that's the thing that I'm sort of working on right now as a writer. And then back in December I directed my first short which was really really fun. Yay. I watched it. I watched it. It was cool. Oh, thank you so much. Well, yeah, you know like here's the thing. Um that was part of a group called Just Scare Me and the whole point of that is it's it's gym. It's not a competition. The idea is you you want to go and work out and and you're just make something, you know. So that's why there's no schmancy lighting there's no gear. There's no, I mean, it was truly me, Mary, the co, the co-star and co-writer and her husband, Buzz, who sort of started, um, the Just Scare Me group. And, um, he, you know, when we shot Mary's coverage, um, that was in her apartment. And so her and Buzz's apartment. And so Buzz helped us light. Um, but aside from that, like that was it, you know? And, I was really okay with that, but I did also think, like, you know, okay, since we're truly doing the thing of shooting this on an iPhone, like that's the point. Um, then let's do it all in one yeah. You know, let's like let's that was what let's I like that. Thank you. That was the idea, just to add a little more production value. And also both Mary and I are theater trained, so I knew that we could stay in the scene and do you know, do a four-page, five-page, whatever it was, you know, in one take um, for each of us. And then uh, – so I'm really proud of how it came out for just an iPhone. We shot it at two bodies and an iPhone. That's yeah. that's truly what it's it badass. was.
2: badass. Yes. And how many times did you have to go through and do the take?
0: <laughs> Very good question. For my coverage, I think I sh- ended up – Full takes shooting three, and then I blew one take. So I think it was a total of four. Um, my mom was crouched behind the bed in the finale and flickering <laughs> the lights to me,
2: which was really yeah. Sweet of mom, her. shout, yeah, on, shout mom. out to mom, MVP, MVP, MVP. <laughs> yep, That's awesome. My
0: dad had Rufus in the basement, <laughs> and so he was our <laughs> animal wrangler. Um, but uh, they were very generous in letting me use their home and uh, and be my production assistant. So that one I think was um only about four takes but with Mary's coverage that was really tough because uh we did not build a set for her. I, if I could go back what I would do is I would pull that desk away for because that that's just her office and so I would pull the desk away from the that she's sitting at away from the wall and get behind so I could set up the shot. I am not tech savvy and so um, that was that was tough to make sure that we got the framing right. Originally, the final scare at the end, I wanted an Exorcist three style scare, where you just walk into frame, like charge into frame, mm-hmm. and I could not just my my skill set as a DP um, and also, you know, being, being in the thing, like just, I wasn't able to do it. Um, So we, we ended up doing it how we did, but um, that one was more, that one took more for sure. Um, But also, you know, there's more tech involved, like we, and by tech, I mean, you know, pulling the door open and, you know, getting the popping into frame and like getting all the things at the right time
2: in the right place. So yeah, that one took a couple more tries. (laughs) And do you have like a dream feature script that you you have in mind that you would would, at some point want to make in the future?
0: yes i do i do actually um the script that i'm like if somebody was said to me clark you know um here's 5 million dollars then the script that i'm currently working on um would be the one i would want to make um it's not ready yet but that uh, you know that would be the thing um but if i could do like a dream project just like of of yeah. all things mm-hmm. it would be um actually a Sidequel To uh, Of the To the Exorcist Actually I would love to tell The events of the Exorcist Through Chris McNeil's
1: Perspective Nice Um, I I got goosebumps For that That sounds badass (laughs) There's
0: so much One could do uh, From the source material Because ultimately If you You know The Exorcist is Like first of all Ellen Burstyn is Outstanding in In that role But we really Spend more time With Karis And we spend more time With his struggle And his night Nightmares. But what's so interesting is, you know, obviously they're meant to be parallels in the film, but in the book, there are even more. And Chris McNeil is having nightmares. And there's a whole, there are all these other subplots going on with, you know, the party she has at her house and this um, this seer or medium comes and talks to her. And there's just, so there's there's, I would love to tell it like, and also I've always thought, you know, God, how scary would it be? to have to live in that house because Chris is on the other side of the door. In, there's one shot specifically where she, they literally shut a door in her face um, while they are inside, you know, dealing with her daughter and she's not allowed in that room. And so, okay, so what what is going on? Let's cut away from that action. We know what happened in that room. So let's cut away from that action and see what's happening in the rest of the house. To me – that is freaking terrifying. And, you know, we know that the, the the supernatural occurrences from the film and in the book are happening outside of just that bedroom. So that would be my dream project. Let me Take over Hollywood and greenlight and Exorcist spinoff focusing okay. on Chris. You,
2: you have you have said it to the universe. The universe has heard. The universe will bring it to you because that sounds that oh Sign me up on board. <laughs> right? I, I want to see that already. I, I love it. I love, you love sold it.
0: Well, thank you. And also, just to the little cherry on top is I'm sitting here looking at the vision board I just created, and I guarantee I am the only person that has the Exorcist logo on their vision board. <laughs> but I. I'm, Absolutely do have it on my vision
2: board. Let's make it happen. All right, (sighs) universe and make it happen, please. <laughs> That's classic.
1: I love that. And I think this is a good segue kind of into The Conjuring as yes. well to talk a little bit more about that because I like went down the rabbit hole after watching this as well and like all these YouTube things looking at um, James Wan talking about the movie and like the whole universe. And I think they've done a really good job of extracting different parts. Like I've seen Annabelle and I hadn't actually seen the original Conjuring. Mm. And to go back and watch this, I was like, oh, okay, there she is. Um, and seeing that they do take all these little kind of side quests from these characters that pop in and out and they weave them throughout this whole Conjuring uh, world. Um, so I think that makes perfect sense that you would want to dive more into this type of exorcist world and make something, you know, focus on another character because I think that's what this series has been really good at doing. So, um, So, Terry, yeah. was
0: this your first yeah. time watching The Conjuring?
1: It was my first time watching Whoa. The Conjuring. What did it's you see? It's a lot see? of my first during the show. Julia's like our horror expert. I dived into it later on in life. She corrupted my life. Um, <laughs> I aimed
2: to corrupt. What can I say? Yeah. Oh,
1: wow. So I was like, oh, my God. I honestly, that's why I went down the rabbit hole, too. I was like, I have to watch everything about this couple. Once I realized this was based on some real ass people <laughs> and was like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, this is crazy. Um, but to see like all those beautiful like interviews with and like, she's just like a regular lady. Mm-hmm. Very matter of fact, the way she speaks is so like, calming. And I was like, okay, you could come into a room and tell me it's haunted and like, mm-hmm. you know, figure it out with me. Like, I would trust you like to the ends of the earth. Um Anyway, fascinating, fascinating Um, film.
2: And I had read, I read, I knew about Ed and Lorraine from the Amityville Horror, uh, which I had, Mm -hmm. you know, read in high school and then had seen the movie afterwards as well. So I was like, oh, I like to, I like to see them, you know, going from one to the other. Um, And uh, so I I looked up a little bit about, you know, the house um, and what exactly had happened there. Um, So in in IRL... the house doesn't in that house that is in the film included two suicides, a poisoning, a rape and murder of a little girl, two drownings, and four people frozen to death. So that's that's good that's a good basis for haunting, I would say. That's that's, a lot. that's the
0: parents house in yes. Rhode Island. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: That's really interesting.
1: Uh so the, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's a that's it's a lot. It's very
1: grounded in some real stuff. So yeah, yeah. So I, I tell us again, I guess a little bit more like conjuring, like what do you love or what, it, what, what brought you to choose it for the show today?
0: Yeah. Well, so, well, you all have done many, many films on your podcast. And so I had to choose something that was still available, but I also am, uh, really, uh, this is one of my favorite top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. Um, I love the conj- the first conjuring movie. And, um, I think it's James Wan's masterpiece. I hope he continues to work within the genre. I'm very curious about Malignant. Um, you know, I really enjoy Insidious and Insidious Chapter Two for very different reasons They're very different movies. But, um, you know, oh, so Chelsea Stardust and I, who directed Satanic Panic, and she's a fixture in the horror world and one of my best friends. Um, Look at Chelsea. you being like
2: cool ass best friends. That's so cool. <laughs> all of us,
0: all of us nerds, all of us nerds. We know we find hor- each
2: other. Yeah, this horror, this horror lady nerd world. Let's let's let's. We love let's, it. We love it. <laughs> yes,
0: I am all about the horror lady nerd nerd family. Um, but Chelsea and I talk about this a lot about how you know we especially in the in the horror space when we talk about our favorites and when we ta- share our passion or enthusiasm for certain films, we. Often are looking back. We often are talking about the older things, which we should. They're, they're, you know, of course, they're classics for a reason. But something that she and I really like doing is is celebrating new movies that come out and how because they're because I think it's very easy to look back and go, oh, nobody does it like this anymore, and or nobody does this, you know. And I'm, I just think that that's wrong, and I think that. James Wan is truly – I have said this for many years and I hope that I am proven right. I think that James Wan could be the next Steven Spielberg. I think that he – you know, the I think he is capable of of telling stories in many different genres. And I think with the Conjuring universe specifically, you know, the thing that he has always said, which I'm sure you both have heard him say, is that, you know, the family dynamics are what is important to him. And the relationship on screen between Ed and the characters of Ed and Lorraine are what make him want to
1: continue in the universe. Um, yeah. So- he said it's a love story. He's like, I want to make a love story. And I was like, oh, OK, this is a love story. Crazy ass stuff happens. are all around it. But it really is about their relationship together and their concern for each other. And like, I think they kind of explore that through the whole series, which is great.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And and Patrick and Vera are certainly, you know, they have such wonderful chemistry together.
1: Um, oh, so- I'm a super fan of Patrick. So oh. I just was like making a face like, oh my God, I love him <laughs> so much. I think he's a Broadway star, kids, for the kids who don't know at home. He's a star of Oklahoma and he, he was can like sing? him walking down. Oh, oh yeah. He can sing. Oh, you need to hear like him butter. sing Freddie Mercury. Sing
0: Queen. He's got an amazing voice. Wow. yeah, Like no through clue. the
1: rafters, like through. The- he's a Broadway star that got- pulled off Broadway and put in movies because he's got that face as well. But oh my God, girl. Yeah. Look him up. Look up his, meet- his okay. singing. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous voice. And singing the opening of Oklahoma, like is still to this day. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Anyway. He did so, yeah. something
0: wow. where he's like in full Freddie Mercury drag. Like he has a mustache. <gasps> he's wearing like the tank top. But he's, of course, like very buff. And so it's kind of funny. But uh, he's got the microphone on the stand and he's like, see, I don't know what this was for, but like. I'm going to he- Google that. Yeah. We're
1: finding it. (laughs) It's an experience. Look
0: it up. Um, But anyway, so I, I truly think that The Conjuring is one of the best movies, best horror movies to come out of the last 20 years. And I think that, you know, I talk about how horror is often left out of the, you know, um, awards conversation. And frankly, I don't really follow the Oscars anymore. I don't really follow the Golden Globes anymore. Like I don't really care about awards, but I do think that it does frustrate me when it's something like the Babadook comes along and S.E. Davis is not recognized or when you know Lupita Nyong'o in Us, I love that. Oh, perf-
1: like I don't love so mo- good, yeah. yeah. And
0: like I don't, I don't love the movie, but I love her. You know, she. No, that is-
1: performance was amazing, and her playing both of those sides. Was- oh God, it was wow! It,
0: it was astonishing, and she deserved mm-hmm. that recognition. And yep. um, and I can I could go on. So with something like The Conjuring, what I admire so much is the craft the the craft that goes into the filmmaking and i sincerely believe that something like the conjuring or james wan should have been recognized for his directing of the conjuring um, because when you break down those scenes there's so many for, there's there's so many scenes that are sequences and i talk about this a lot on my show um, wolf's call my twitch show like i love I love horror sequences and James directs scares like they are action sequences. And I think that, so if jump scare happens, it often is the thing that sets the, the, you know, the, um, sequence in motion. And yes. so, y- you know, that's what what's so
1: exciting. Yes. Yes. A- yes. You're like, okay. Like you have that little jump scare of like the kids getting a little bit of, you know, some poltergeisty kind of uh, stuff happening at night, their legs getting pulled from their bed, thinking it's the other sisters. And yep. like, as they're in this house, but you're like, wait, that's, oh no. Oh no. It's about to get worse. Like yep. each time you have those little like, okay, oh no, 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 now I'm terrified. And now like, I'm, yeah each 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 sequence i love that
0: or to to use that example specifically in the in the first conjuring movie with the two sisters and the leg getting pulled and then it's joey king and she sees something behind the door it, there you see nothing in that scene mm-hmm. arguably nothing happens however the way it is shot The way it is orchestrated, the acting style, the sound design, he crafts a scare sequence out of literally nothing. That to, that Mm -hmm. to me is, and it doesn't feel cheap right like it you don't you're not like oh man all that for nothing because the, it's a sequence it's a true scene and what we the information we get out of that is that joey king's character is so petrified that she's having this huge reaction and on top of that the entity is telling her it's going to kill her family and that's how we end the scene so so it's not for nothing to me like i Th- that it is if it were easy to make good scary movies
1: we'd have a lot more good scary movies <laughs> <laughs> there's so many good bad though good bad i love yeah. good bad too
0: <laughs> but i so i really want to share praise for the craft that goes into a movie like the conjuring
2: so i saw this movie when it came out in the theater and the reason that i went to go see this movie was for lily taylor i was like <sighs> lily taylor's a star i'm in Hell let's, yeah. Let's talk about her for a second. Um, she's so so underrated as an actress and like kills every performance she ever gives and gives no love for it. I don't understand it. Agreed.
0: So I know – I love Vera Farmiga and I think she's really brilliant in so many things. I love her as Norma Bates on yes. Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. Like I love that she likes to play in the horror world. That's fabulous. And I do truly – love her warmth um and i feel like she and patrick you know really do carry this whole franchise on their shoulders and so that is no small feat but i i also look to the first conjuring movie the physicality that is required for for lily taylor especially in the final scenes Mm -hmm. um I watch that it, it again, it doesn't work if you don't believe that she is actually going through this. And um, I get goosebumps when I watch her. And and you're right, Julia, like she has she is so underrated as an actress because she's soft spoken and because she's kind of like the every woman. And that's that's a you know, that's a beautiful Part
1: of being a character actor. It's kind of a testament to her work. She makes it look too easy. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Though? Like, yes. that's 100%. But she's all about process. I went to a great QA with her at SAG, like doing like a career retrospective a few years back. And just, she's just all about the work. She's the reason I have like the re- rehearsal pro app on my phone to like yes. work on auditions. Cause she's just like, she was out there giving us like all her like notes. Do you know what I mean? Though, like about her process, what she does, how she gets into, how much she rehearses. Like, she's an actor's actor. And I think if you, you know or a person who's really serious about the craft, I'm telling you kids. go watch all of her movies from back in the day too. till now you will yes. see somebody whose work is consistent, always beautiful, thoughtful, the way that she has empathy for every character that she plays. Do you know what I mean? You don't. You don't ever feel a judgment of her of who she's playing, regardless of what they end up having to go through and do. She brings everything to it, and this is no exception to that rule. And
0: you know what I think is interesting is that, like with a movie like this, as as you see somebody start to get possessed or become possessed, you often watch them transition into being more and more uh, or being overtaken by whatever the entity is. In the con- the Conjuring, doesn't do that, and so it's it's truly for her character, zero to 60. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that also might be why people don't point to that performance um and recognize it for how brilliant it truly is because we don't see you know that's what we expect we expect to see oh she's this loving mother she's lily taylor she's all of these things and then she starts to shift and she starts to shift and she starts to shift and then we get the big you know the boom the big exorcism sequence but in the conjuring she's like silent. You know what I mean? Until she's overtaken, then she is the monster. Um, and and I think it's a cool choice to do something different within the subgenre. But I think that maybe that is part of the reason why she sort of left out of that conversation of, of great performances. But the physicality in the last 20 minutes of that movie, the, the pain, physical and emotional, all of it, it, it's, it truly rests on her and she sells it and she's so Powerful because when you think of Lily, that's from her. That's exactly yes. Yes. Sorry, continue. No,
2: no, you just like, I when you think of her, you think, Can she be scary? Can she be powerful enough to scare me? And I would normally say no. And then you're like, No, no, she totally can. She can go as far as you want her to go. Those noises she's making, you're like, Damn, though. Cause usually she's like a mousy.
1: She plays a lot of. She's played a lot of kind of more mousy type of people, I think, in her like career as well too. But she's also has that great strength that she gets to like flex. She, so cool. Do you did y'all
0: ever see? Um, I believe it was Jan DeBont's The Haunting, nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Haunting.
2: yeah. She's this because she's a star. She's of
0: that. An- yeah, she's Nell. And um, it's funny because when I went back and I listened to the audiobook, I had never read The Haunting of Hill House before until a couple a year or two ago. And when I went back and I listened to that, I was like, oh, wow, you know what's fascinating is the, that movie is actually a pretty decent adaptation of this book. Why doesn't it work? That is wild. But um, when you think of someone like Lily Taylor, yeah, she's like perfectly cast as, as like Nell from The Haunting of Hill mm-hmm. House. You know what I mean? Um, you don't think that she's going to be this, like, uh, this, this monster, um, at the end
2: of The Conjuring. So, yeah, she really, she really can do it all. And that movie, yeah, the, the cast, that movie's fantastic. It really should work. And boy, it sure doesn't. No, it does not.
0: And it is the truly- one, The the a- classic one is so good, though. Yes. Maybe that's I mean, part of it, that's too. That's part
2: the of cla- it.
1: Oh,
0: it might be, but it's such a good adapt I mean, from what I recall, it's such a faithful, like, very good adaptation of the material. So I don't know. It's a it's That's a what mystery. happens sometimes,
1: though, too, because True. it's – it's a different property, and sometimes even if it's a it's a true to the to the book, um, it doesn't necessarily ring true as a great cinematic experience. Very true. I, um, I, I think so. that nineties uh, CGI ain't helping neither. No,
0: definitely not.
1: <laughs> definitely <laughs> I think that hurt not. a lot of movies. I was just talking with a friend about that. A lot of stuff in the nineties. You're like, ooh, we were going through a technology uh, shift, right? And so there's just some stuff that, yeah, got a little lost in the translation. But I kind of love that they're time capsules for that too. That so. is
0: true. That is true.
2: Um, I like that, you know, they're using in The Conjuring a lot of uh, horror movie tropes that we know and love from a horror movie survival guide. Uh, things like the dog. The dog is the bellwether. Mm-hmm. The dog knows that the house is bad. Animals always know. The animals yeah. always know. Um, and so what do we what do we think about that, the birds flying into the house? Why, I was wondering about that. Are they, are they attracted the to the evil? The evil so wants to attract energy?
0: I am under the impression that that is something that goes along with demonic possession, Um, Ah. I feel like I looked this up one time and the birds crashing into the house are something that goes on with demonic possession. But I... I I don't I never got much farther than that. This is the other thing that I think is so interesting about why I, for me personally, and I don't know if either of y'all can relate to, um, you know this, but with my love for The Exorcist and my love for The Conjuring, and not being a Christian person first of all, but second of all, um. I don't even know if I really believe that something – I say that – Please don't possess me demons. This is not an invitation. But I don't (laughs) even really know if I believe that something like this uh, could even really happen. But I guess what's so interesting is that both of these movies – uh allow me to believe it in the context of the what I am seeing before me, if that makes sense. So so that's mm-hmm. the point of cinema and like fiction, right? But um mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know why I'm so drawn to these things when it just I don't think I listen to all these podcasts and stories about all of this and I'm just like, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> you know? I think it's
2: the it's the possibility of it that's the scary thing, right? That you don't know. Yeah. It's the same with ghosts, right? Like you're like, oh ghosts sound scary because you can't really be sure if they exist or not. Uh, so there's there's that that fear of the unknown. Maybe. It's all the question mark. It is. I think it is the question of like the space in between because
1: we don't really understand that space between life and death. Do you know what I mean? Though so it's that opportunity to be like, well, maybe there's something on the other side. And I know I've been talking with or not talking, but watching Lorraine talk, um, you know, with people about that. I think that was like the piece that she brought. And then I ended up down like, of course, YouTube kept giving me all these medium like <laughs> things after that. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go down this medium rabbit hole of like people trying to debunk mediums versus people who, you know, believe it. I think we all just want something to believe in, whether it's ourselves or whether it's just that we'll have some sort of connection forever with certain people. Um, I think it's that desire. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you all have like feelings on the Warrens? Like, Terry, it sounds like you –
1: in your research, have you become sort of a believer of the Warrens? I don't think I believe them necessarily, but I think they brought a lot of people peace. And I think it's a similar thing with like a lot of like religion. And, you know, I think – I feel like we all – I remember having like a realization because my family's you know about very religious and like I remember sitting in church one time being like it must be very loud to be God as everyone's praying at the same time but even though we're all silently praying in church from like that's we're all speaking in our minds you know whatever entities connected to all of this that's a lot to take in and I just was like also had that moment of like okay everybody is also worshiping in a different way connected to this whatever life energy forces in different ways um, I think we all gravitate to what makes sense to us. So some people need, you know, a church that stand up, sit down, tells you exactly what to do. And that gives them comfort while other people need a free form service, you know, and people want to judge how other people worship, like people go to what connects them. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. I think these people brought a lot of people peace and found connection in that space. Um, their medium was Catholicism. That was the framework of the Warrens. Do you know what I mean though? And that's what they mm-hmm. used to help solve these things. And that's what they used um, to help bring people peace to their households. So if someone could come in and you felt like you had something going on, it's like going to a good therapist, I feel like. Do you know what I mean? That was a similar thing where it's like, I need help settling these things that are in my brain. I don't know how to you know, form them in a certain direction.
2: Can you help me do that? Um I've always thought of them as just, kind yeah. of. Oh, I'm sorry, Terry. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've oh, always no, that's me. <laughs> I always thought of them as like you know like the paranormal researcher rock stars kind of you know like mm-hmm. that's what their jam is like. Not only like oh, amnival horror, we got it. We got you know conjuring, we got it, no problem. You know, and then they have this room, this crazy room with all of the mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. in it, which is which is kind of eh, taken on a lot for them. Um, I guess the thing that I have the you know it's I, you still know,
1: there. They're still no, oh, I know they're watching still the space.
2: Oh, I know. <laughs> that room sounds like every day (laughs) it just sounds like a terrible idea like you're just collecting all of these evil things all into one room they're just going to like go berserk one day and like here there's the end of the world um i guess i don't the problem i have with them is the religious bit because i'm like i don't know how this can be i don't know how it can have anything to do with religion it just seems like ghosts of people in infecting other people. It doesn't but ha- well, they're not ghosted people, they're demonic entities and I, spirits. I, I understand what they're I understand what they're telling me. I understand what they're telling me. But I'm just saying like I can't I can't wrap my head around it's an actual demon. It's angels and demons and God and devil. They all exist. Like that, I can't wrap my brain around. it like ghosts, I'm willing to kind of buy that, but like it's hard for me to be like, yes, it's a demon coming in to say fuck you to humans because they're evil and then they serve Satan. That's what they do. That seems I can't, I can't wrap my head around that one. So
0: here's what's interesting. Like, um, a lot of these big horror franchises that have dealt with demons and the supernatural specifically over the last 20 years, they they step right up to the line of, you know, they, they don't show you both sides. Basically, it, oh, I, I just said the phrase both sides. I hate that phrase. They don't show you all of the elements that uh, could go into. So so the idea of if there's a demon, then there has to be a force for good, right? If there's a force for evil, there has the to yin be- yin-yang. Exactly. Yes. And so I guess in theory, our our heroes, whether it's the Warrens, whether it's Lin Shea and Insidious, whether it is, you know, I don't know who the good people are in the first couple Paranormal Activity movies, but those are the franchises that I think of where there's a demonic force and somebody has to get that force away. But we walk right up to this line of, okay, but wait, if you're showing us that there are demons and if you're showing us that there are ghosts, then are you showing us – why Why don't? I mean, doesn't anybody ever go down the line of a good ghost or, you know what I mean, the counterbalance to whatever a demon is? Like there's this great line in Paranormal Activity 2 where the main little girl, um, she's a teenager and her mother has died and so her dad remarried the character of Christy who is Katie – Katie's sister, right? That's how all of this sort of works together. That's not a spoiler, but Mm -hmm. she has this great line where she's the the daughter is piecing this through, and she's talking to her boyfriend, and she's trying to she's figuring out, like, researching. Okay, demons, you know, sacrifices, whatever. And there's something in the house, and she says to her boyfriend, "But what if it's mom?" Meaning, like her mom that she's lost and maybe it's a good thing. And the and you know the Conjuring franchise does this too and Annabelle comes home. They they have a character who's lost her father in a car accident and she is desperately trying to make contact with him and that's what causes her to go into the Warren's artifact room, which I think is such a fascinating premise. Once again, I have no dog in the fight of like angels demons <laughs> like I don't I'm not invested in this at all as Clark Wolf, but from a story storytelling perspective we don't really do that it must be because it's not interesting to watch right like you can't have an angel coming out and like fighting a demon right i don't know they never really
1: yeah. do that
2: not much no i no, don't they don't i don't know not I even guess in it-
1: angels and demons i feel like you don't really get you know what <laughs> i mean they're like they never they don't even do that there you're just dealing with <laughs> demons for the most part i think um that is more interesting and it is it is scarier and like i mean if we're going in like and angel, I don't think. Well, Angel could be scary, I guess. Now we have to make that movie, but um, or see <laughs> our if we can. scary
0: angel movie,
1: yeah, our scary angel movie, but um, yeah, that is interesting. I, didn't I just really went think down a little that. rabbit
0: hole. I apologize for derailing us, but this no, is stuff that what I think our show's that this is about. We, that's point. what
1: the show is about. This is what we do. We're derailed constantly, <laughs> and that's this is the type of rabbit hole yeah. we love because that is the question, like. I'm realizing right now, I'm like, we really don't see the angels come into any of these movies, well, you know? Well,
0: I, you know, like, frankly, so now these are all, we're, what we're all talking about are franchises, and I will say, while I enjoyed a lot of The Conjuring 3, I like Michael Chavs as a director, um, and I'm very curious to see what is happening with him, I was disappointed that it was ultimately just the same thing over and over again, you know, like, um, just another case of demonic possession. We introduced the idea of the legality of it, which is, okay, like, that's cool, but we don't really spend too much time there and I think that's because probably I, I believe because Emily Ro- Exorcism of Emily Rose is more of like a courtroom drama, I think. So I get you don't want to retread, but like I'm just like where do you take these franchises with Paranormal Activity, you know, like which for the record I love 1 through 3 and the Marked Ones. I really liked a lot of that franchise. You know, I like a lot of the Conjuring franchise overall. I like a lot of the Insidious franchise. Insidious goes down the rabbit hole of or it it posits that uh, there's a little girl in insidious chapter three or chapter three who's lost her mother maybe she's gonna come and help but it doesn't really do anything satisfying with it so i just i'm like okay at the point of these franchises like i know you got to give the people the scares and that's what we're here for but like maybe that could be an interesting way to continue these stories
2: well, the question I have is, and especially after seeing the final quote from Ed Warren at the bottom of this, is are these religious films? Because Go, they seem like they're question. Pro, they feel like propaganda pro, at a they certain do. point. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, it's just like a pro-Christian thing. This is
0: so hard for me because um because we've got with the so I will say with the conjuring the devil made me do it, which is the conjuring three, um, that is where we i believe we got into kind of weird territory um i don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it yet but the 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 malignant entity that is at work or at play in the conjuring 3 felt very and the movie is set in the 80s. I was kind of like, I have weird feelings about this. I don't know how I feel. Of it. Now we've crossed a line maybe where you've lost me as mm-hmm. a non-Christian person. Um, and I have heard since the beginning people saying that they feel like the Conjuring universe is like Christian superheroes, you know, Christian propaganda films. Again, with the first one. I don't feel that as strongly. I feel like they walk a pretty good line, still honoring Ed and Lorraine's Catholicism, but also... Because Lorraine was
1: also alive when they were making that first one and she was there to meet Vera, so they still had, I think... That line to appease her and maybe. make sure that it was, you know, I think that was probably part of the deal. That's what was my feel on that. And I feel like they had a little more leeway now that she's no longer with us, or maybe they are still trying to honor that because they don't know. Maybe she's going to come haunt their set. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
0: And, you know, like, then you get into all that stunt queen stuff of like at the start of every movie production of the uh, Conjuring Productions, we they have bless a fr- the set. We bless mm-hmm. the set. And, like, on the one hand, I'm like, I know what you're doing, Warner Brothers. It's the it's the the exorcist PR of like the set was cursed and this happened and all that. I get it. But on the other hand, I don't know how I would feel if a priest came to my place of work to bless my office, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, or, or another set, if I were on another set, like, and they brought a religious figure there, I would feel weird about it. So I'm of two minds because I get what they're doing. They're trying to, you know, let the audience know in their PR that demons are real and this is a real thing and the Warrens were fighting for good and evil and that's what our movies are about. But like, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know.
1: I don't know how I feel about it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's The Conjuring, kids.
0: (laughs) No answers here, but I do love the first one. I do love the first Conjuring movie. Uh,
2: And and yeah, I like the way they weave in, you know, kind of real life with, you know, the the relevant class discussions going into Haunted House. That's kind of fun. So, you know, and and if you are into The Conjuring, uh, there are seven films in the universe that you too can explore. Uh, Three Conjuring, Three Annabelles, The Nun, and The Curse of La Llorona. So I'm sure there will be more to come.
0: Can I give one quick little plug for Annabelle in the basement, as I you, like to call it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Annabelle Comes Home was uh, directed by Gary Doberman, who has been involved with the, a lot of new line um, horror. He, you know – did rewrites on pretty much all of the conjuring films and as well as it uh chapter one and chapter two. Mm-hmm. He's but but he directed Annabelle Comes Home. And that is probably my second favorite Conjuring universe movie. I really like it. And it and it kind of it, it kind of came and went, but um it's got an Amblin feel to it. It is a babysitter movie. It's yeah. it was pitched it terrified as, me. <laughs> yeah, it was pitched as Night at the museum, but in the Warrens like Artifact Room, which is
1: a Great ah, pitch, like that's what a really that's exactly what it is, yeah. yeah. Um, so if fun.
0: you're interested in this franchise and you're like, oh, I don't know about these movies, uh, Annabelle Comes Home is really fun.
2: So well, speaking a of low. plugs. Plug away. Well, what do
1: you got? To I don't plug? want to plug yet. I wanted to ask her the question. Oh, we our to questions. Ask her, I'm sorry. We have questions. We ask. It's okay. We're almost there on the home stretch right now. Um, we have to ask you a couple of things since this is horror movie survival guide. We always oh. ask our guest uh, what tips would you give to people to survive. Like, what's your horror movie survival guide tip? How would you tell somebody to survive uh, mm. a movie? I guess we can talk about The Conjuring today. Like, how would you survive in The Conjuring? Oh you know, gosh. what will what, what be your tip to those people to get, get the heck out of there? Well, uh, Oops, that would be my tip. Uh, it doesn't work. Like it's going to follow them, man. Uh, I know. It follows you. I know.
0: I know. Well, and I'm also like the worst person to ask how to survive a, a demonic possession thing because I'm like, I don't have a crucifix. any. I don't have any holy water. I don't know any priests. I don't know any. So I don't it know. Could call, be a
1: general tip too. Well, and
0: Warren, that would be my mm-hmm. – um, my general tip is to just – Eyes and ears, keep your keep your eyes and ears open. Always be aware. Always be looking around because you know you, you, that's when people sneak up on you. People or creatures sneak up on you. That's when you get dead. And yeah. uh, so don't let them sneak up on you. That, that's and true. Don't, yeah, that's my big
2: tip. Stay <laughs> alert. Stay alive. That's what they say. Yeah, out I there. I mean, this is why Terry and I really do this podcast. Is we figure the more horror movies we watch, the better chance we have to survive because we'll know the tips.
0: I like that. I think that's smart. Y'all, what's the best tip you've been given?
2: Um, that one was pretty good. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, saying, don't say I'll be right back. Don't have sex. Oh, yes. Don't do not do drugs. Yeah, uh, don't split the party when everyone's like, oh, I think we should split up. Always a bad idea. Don't poke things from outer space with a stick. That's a good uh-huh. one.
0: That is a very mm-hmm. good one. Those you know, are basic, right basic,
2: basic tips for life to be a final girl.
0: I like all of these. These are great. <laughs> I've learned mm-hmm. something.
2: <laughs> well, hey, we have 200 episodes of, of, of many tips plus, for you too. <laughs> plus. <laughs> I, love,
0: I love
1: it. Fabulous. So now plug, plug. I want to know what you've got to plug and all your amazing shows. You have so many things going on. So let us know where we can find you and what we should be watching and listening to with you.
0: Oh well, thank you so much, and thank you both for having me. This was such a treat. Um, I think the biggest thing is right now on TWD Universe on Twitch, we talk all things Walking Dead, but I also have a horror show called Wolf's Call. Um, and uh, so you can check us out once a week. Um, the time slot chain has changed, but just for a period of time. So I would just say, check us out on TWD Universe. Twitch is free, so you can just create an account and give us a follow. But yeah, check out Wolf's Call. And you can find me uh, at Clark Wolf Clark with an E, Wolf with an E on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Yay! Follow Clark. She's the best. Oh, y'all oh
2: are my the gosh. best. Thank Yay. you. Yay! What a delightful discussion. This was great, Thank and you. and I didn't expect to be uh, talking about Christian superheroes today. So there, you know, it's everything's new and exciting.
1: I never, do. We never know. You <laughs> never
2: know what's gonna happen here at Horror Movie Survivor Thank
1: you guys so much. Catch us also on all the internet: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and you can also find us on Patreon and at our Teespring store. We got merch for you. Um, check it all out. We'll see you all again real soon. Have a great day.